0: Blue wire.
1: The San Diego Chargers select Joey Bosa. Oh here comes Bosa. The Los Angeles Chargers select Derwin James. And it's intercepted at the 35-yard line. Derwin James. What's going on everyone and welcome to this week's second edition of the Powder Blue Review. I am your host Michael Peterson. Please if you haven't gone on ahead and followed me on Twitter at Zone Tracks. Follow the Twitter handle for the podcast at PB Review Podcast and head on over to boltsfrontheblue.com. That is SP Nation's Los Angeles Chargers website where I am the deputy manager. Always got good stuff going on over there. But uh, exciting episode for you guys. My good friend Arif Hassan, he's a uh, Vikings reporter for the Athletic Minnesota, came on talking all things Chargers and Vikings coming up this Sunday. Great interview, great guy, lots of good information and conversation in this one. So, don't want to let you guys wait any further. We're just going to head straight on into the interview, and I hope you guys enjoy. So, I'm joined now by my good friend, Arif Hassan. Now, Arif is a uh, Vikings writer for The Athletic Minnesota, and he's also the host for the Norse Code, pardon me, and the Zone Coverage Football Machine. Arif, I can't appreciate you enough for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, It's a lot warmer here in Georgia than it is in Minnesota. So I um, couldn't be more thankful about that. Um, but I hope you're, I hope you're surviving up north. Uh, doing my best, man. It's freezing here, man. How how cold is it actually? I'm coming back to the Midwest soon, but uh, I need to know what I'm. What can I expect?
0: Yeah, uh, us actually I think it's 17 right now, which uh, means Good. we're hitting our our warm spell. It was negative two the other night. Uh, oh, goodness. Yeah, we're getting out of the cold snap. We we might hit freezing if we're lucky. Golly man.
1: I'm I'm not looking for I'm looking forward to be back in the Midwest, but right that cold is a <laughs> it, it, it's not going to be a warm welcome pun's intended. Um but speaking of cold and warm, that's kind of how you can explain the Chargers season as opposed to the Viking season so far uh this year. The Chargers sitting at five and eight, the Vikes well within the playoffs with a nine and four record. Um, this 9-4 record, though, for the Vikings, and, and this game on Sunday was supposed to be Sunday night football, but because of the Chargers' lack of, you know, meeting expectations this season, they decided to move a, a more important game with playoff implications uh, into primetime and brought this one out of that slot. Um, has this season for the Vikings kind of gone as expected, or have you been pleasantly surprised at the team's success so far this season?
0: I'd say I'm a little surprised at the team's success. Um, And, you know, I thought this was a a really good team. Uh, It said they were basically an 11-5 team. um, And, uh, you know, they're they're kind of on track for that. But I'm still kind of surprised at just kind of how well they've done, what they've done, and and how they've gotten it done. Uh, It's kind of difficult for Vikings fans to kind of wrap their heads around it because the season started off so weird, crushing the Falcons, getting blown out by the Packers, crushing the Raiders, uh, getting destroyed by the bears. It was very difficult to get a bearing on what the team was. Uh, and so as the season has kind of progressed, we've gotten a lot more information. Um, every time we feel like we kind of understand, you know, how good this team is, you know, they, they, they hit, you know, uh, they stumble, right. They, they just lost to the Seahawks. So we're trying to figure out if this is a team that can beat good teams. Um, but yeah, for the most part, a lot of you know positives put together but there's also just kind of a fear uh you know that this team might be good but it, it certainly is probably not good enough to to make a deep playoff run and you know then uh, almost what's the point right you you want to mm-hmm. be able to threaten and it feels like they can't threaten
1: has there been any players on the team that have kind of gone the way of uh Uh, Pleasant surprise as well, whether that be Kirk Cousins playing as cleanly as he is, whether it's someone on the defense. Are there any names that pop up that probably have played a huge role in this team being nine and four?
0: Yeah, I think Kirk Cousins is is kind of the first name you go to, especially in terms of surprises, because last year I think he struggled. Um, You know, by some statistical measures, he was fine. By other he was not. Uh, you know, remarkable. But this year, you know, he's kind of at the top of a bunch of different statistical leaderboards, including ones that that tend to be kind of unfriendly to to his weaknesses. So like expected points, for example, they tend to punish fumbles. He's kind of a fumble prone quarterback, although he's been pretty good about not fumbling the past couple of weeks. Uh, and he's still kind of at the top of that leaderboard too. And so even when the the measures that that make him look the worst, uh, are taken into consideration. He's having a really remarkable season. And then on film, you can see he's pretty accurate. Um, you know, he he early in the season was kind of missing open receivers downfield. Now he's much better about, you know, kind of mixing aggressiveness with caution. Um, and he's managing the pocket a lot better, too. And so, you know, the Vikings are putting him in great situations. I think, you know, the world of, of how they've done uh, their offensive coordinating and stuff like that, but he, I think, has done – a really remarkable job. And then I think other surprises, you know, seventh round pick rookie BC Johnson, uh second round pick rookie Irv Smith. They've all played really well on offense and then on defense. Uh it, it's just been great to see Everson Griffin come back, especially after kind of everything he went through last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the field, you know, he wasn't all that great after he retired. Understandably so, but you know, given kind of his age, given the issues that he's had, um the fact that he's kind of returned and he's been kind of one of the top pressure producers in the league—that's been great. That's a pleasant surprise. Uh, and and both linebackers are playing really really well too. Um, so uh, you know, and and that was always kind of a concern, especially with Anthony Barr. You know, whether or not he, you know, especially after signing a contract, would be able to kind of live up to it. So uh, a lot of surprises, I think, have kind of contributed to how good the the team has been. But I think the centerpiece of that is, of course, Cousins.
1: So another guy that um, usually is known for helping carry this team success to success, pardon me, is Adam Thielen. And uh, one of the bigger surprises as well is the fact that you guys have been able to win the majority of your last, I think, six or seven games that he has been either hurt or missed um, in general. Well, he's back this week. Um, what will his return bring back to this offense or what has this offense missed with him uh, being gone for so long?
0: Yeah, I think it's just such a remarkably different group when one of those two receivers is missing, right? Because... Uh, you know, Stefan Diggs used to miss a bit, bunch of time. Now Adam Thielen's missed time. And the offense just drops off without one of them. And, and I think it's a testament to Cousins that it really doesn't feel like it has dropped off, given uh, Adam Thielen's absence for, you know, the past several games because of the hamstring injury. Uh, but, you know, teams have been able to bracket Diggs. You know, the, the Vikings the past couple of games have not been able to throw deep uh, just because, you know, they've, they've taken pains. The defense has taken pains to adjust their coverages to just make sure that those windows aren't there for them. Uh, And it's just it's just not possible to do that when you've got a threat like Adam Thielen on the other side, whether or not he's going to threaten deep, whether or not it's going to be intermediate. And what's interesting is that Diggs is kind of this enormous deep threat this year. Last year, he was kind of the underneath guy. Thielen was the deep threat. Uh, And so when you've got two receivers that can threaten anywhere on the field, it's very difficult to design a coverage scheme. That really takes them into account, especially because teams only tend to have one really good corner and you kind of just have to pick your poison there. So that's important. I think it's going to create more efficient personnel sets because the Vikings have been in three tight end uh, a lot or two tight end two running back a lot uh, because, you know, the alternative is to put. I, and I, I just said I was impressed with him, but he's still a seventh round rookie. Uh, B.C. Johnson out there, uh Now you can kind of be in 11 personnel. The Vikings love to be in two wide receiver sets, actually, so that's going to be more effective. I think it changes the type of offense they can put out there and how efficient that offense is going to look.
1: In Thielen's stead with him missing time, would you have thought that uh, a guy like Kyle Rudolph would have found so much success without uh, one of the best receivers on the field. I mean, he's got six touchdowns on the season, which is exactly a quarter of Kirk Cousins touchdown passes so far this year. Is that a big surprise to you?
0: Uh, Actually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. It's just a lot of things about this. It's like, it's an offensive team, right? This is not mm-hmm. something you expect uh, from, uh, from, from the Vikings, especially one, Uh, led by Mike Zimmer. Um, So, yeah, I, I think just in terms of the way that the offense is produced, uh, all of that has been uh, pretty remarkable. The fact that Adam Thielen uh, accounts for six touchdowns despite missing so many games. Uh, what's interesting is that in in prior years, Stephon Diggs has been the better red zone receiver. His touchdown conversion rate in the red zone has been better. Uh, his catch percentage, his first down percentage in the red zone has been better. He's been a better red zone receiver. Uh, and Thielen's the one who's seen his kind of his touchdown numbers drop off a little bit. Um, but you know, when Thielen's in the game this year, you know, he's been able to kind of use, uh, all the tools that he has, uh, in, in a lot of the same ways that Stephon Diggs did, uh, to kind of generate those touchdowns. Uh, what's interesting is that these, the two, six touchdown receivers, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, they've come in spurts, right? Because Adam Thielen, six touchdowns, they came early in the season, right? Necessarily mm-hmm. because you know he's missed a lot of games. Kyle Rudolph has basically just kind of stepped in, into the red zone and replaced a bunch of it without the offense missing too much of a beat. Once they get there, he has six touchdowns, almost all of them coming from the past couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, it's been kind of surprising just the way it's produced because the offense just doesn't produce like this or hasn't produced like this before. It's always looked a little bit different.
1: All right, that's definitely definitely been insane because I know Kyle Rudolph – had some success two years ago. And I know that parlayed into a lot of people drafting him in fantasy leagues. And then last season was a little bit of a drought, right? He, he couldn't find the end zone too often. Uh, probably upset a lot of uh, fantasy owners and probably upset some, some Vikings fans as well. But uh, being a former tight end, I love seeing tight ends have success and especially on an exciting team like the Vikings. Um, just really good to see overall, but moving on to the other side of the ball, you guys have, who's got to be the most quiet superstar in the entire NFL in terms of defensive players. And that's Daniil Hunter. And correct me if I'm wrong on the stat, but he just became the youngest player to eclipse 50 career sacks. Um, I believe he's 25, maybe Mm -hmm. 26 at this point, 25. Will you tell me a little bit about what makes him special and why you don't think he's getting anywhere near the same buzz as other top pass rushers who don't have the pedigree that he does.
0: Yeah, so uh, currently, according to PFF, he leads the league in pressures with 80. Uh, the second place is a tie between Cameron Jordan and Darius Smith with 73. So there's there's a seven pressure difference. Uh, wow. Between the two, uh, some of that is is just because you know when the Vikings get ahead, the other team has to pass, and so that's given more opportunities. But obviously, most of it is just kind of the inherent talent and capability that that Daniel Hunter can bring to bear. Um, he has shown remarkable technical progress so he's always been kind of the super athlete he's one of the highest testing athletes at the edge rusher position in the nfl uh and and you know that's you know the most athletic position the nfl has Mm -hmm. uh and so for him to kind of be at the top of that group by itself is pretty remarkable, but, you know, at LSU, you know, he only had, you know, I think what two and a half sacks or something like that, uh, he was playing a lot of five technique. He was playing a lot of run defense for them. Uh, but the Vikings, obviously, they saw something that they liked. But the thing that kind of stands out is his receptiveness to coaching, his, uh, you know, willingness to always try and get better. You know, he doesn't think he's as good as he is, which is always kind of a good sign for an athlete in terms of, you know, what they're going to put in. Uh, in terms of you know technical and workout uh, in the gym, so uh, his ability to kind of pick up new pass rushing moves, I think you know three years ago he didn't even have a spin move. Now it's kind of just an essential part of what he does. He's added you know kind of a leaping cross chop. We see that a lot with Demarcus Lawrence. He does it really well too. Um, he's added additional pass rushing moves, but not kind of willy nilly. I mean, you see a lot of pass rushers kind of just generally add moves to the repertoire and not really find ways to string them together or work them in with precision. Or have, and I think this might be the most important, have a pass rush plan. Have counters based off of what you're doing. Know what you're going to be doing on third down. Knowing that you can play to the outside to open up the inside and vice versa. And I think he's learned a lot of that from Everson Griffin. He's learned a lot of that from Andre Patterson, who I consider to be the best defensive line coach in the league. Um, But yeah, he puts in a ton of work that work uh, works out for him. I mean, a a bunch of players put in a lot of work, but he's got kind of the mental pliability to be able to pick up new concepts really easily. And then he's always been a really remarkable run defender. So the Vikings have never really had a reason to take him off the field. And so that on-field experience has helped him out a lot too.
1: Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo or... Avoid it altogether with excuses like, you know, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. And sometimes when you're up grinding that college football tape, when you're up trying to get that podcast done to your followers and your viewers the next morning, you're just tired. You're out of it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If the medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple as well. Just go to GetRoman.com BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getroman.com slash blue wire to get a free online visit and two day free shipping. That's getroman.com slash blue wire for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com slash blue Yeah, if I remember, um, there was a, an awesome piece about Daniel Hunter and his success so far through his uh, through his young career, but at LSU, he didn't get a lot of sacks. That's correct, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like two and a half sacks or something unusual like that and that for LSU defensive ends, that's actually not or edge rushers, I should say, because he was kind of a linebacker prospect. That's not Mm -hmm. super weird out of that era because Barquebius Mingo, um, Sam Montgomery, they didn't have a ton of sacks either. Obviously Hunter's career has kind of surpassed the two of them, but uh, yeah, he just, he didn't have a ton of sack production. And a lot of that was just because the things, you know, they were asking him to play run first and, and not even read the offensive tackle, just Mm play run first. And then when it was clear that the offensive tackle was in a pass set, um, play, play the pass. And, you know, it was, it was very difficult for him to generate production, but yeah, you know, he didn't need to add a bunch of pass rushing moves. So he was very technically super raw coming out. Mm -hmm.
1: That's it's just amazing. Again, big Neil Hunter fan. I think he's just so much fun to watch. I think he does it in his own way. Um, He's special, man. He's just special. But uh, going over to another Vikings defender who used to be quite special, but uh, in recent years really hasn't looked the same, and that's cornerback Xavier Rhodes. And And this was a guy who was so good for a stretch of time that they started coining the term uh, Rhodes closed," or that was his nickname, yeah. you know, whether he went up against guys like Julio Jones and uh, other elite wide receivers. He found a way to limit their production quite a bit. This season, and most notably, I think, to the first game against the Detroit Lions where Marvin Jones, I think, scored two or three short back shoulder type throws on Xavier Rhodes. And it was to the point where Xavier Rhodes looked like he was about to blow a gasket, chuck his helmet on the sideline. And just storm off the field. It looked frustrating and I'm sure Vikings fans are frustrated as well. Um, But it's extended far out than just, you know, one game sample. So can you talk to me a little bit about your views on Xavier Rhodes this season and in recent years and uh, what you think is going on with his play?
0: Yeah. Um. So that game, he allowed two touchdowns. Marvin Jones had a third touchdown. Mm. That was actually on Trey Waynes. Um, that was an after catch touchdown, which uh, is particularly embarrassing, I think, for Waynes. Um, but yeah, Rhodes has just had a really difficult year. Uh, and I've kind of defended him for the first half of the year. I think that he's played a little bit better than his detractors say, but he certainly has not played uh, even in that in that slightly better stretch up to the level of play that he had you know, 2017. Like you said, he shut down uh, elite wide receivers. Julio Jones, I think most famously, but he also has done a really great job against prime Calvin Johnson, prime A.J. Green. He's done phenomenally against Odell Beckham. Um, he does a really good job. Uh, it is the case that Marvin Jones in particular has given him trouble over the years. Um, so when, when he hits a downslope, uh, Jones is going to kind of eat his lunch. But uh, yeah, he, he just really hasn't played uh, up to his uh, up to his contract, and then certainly since week eight, uh, you know he's played even worse, uh, which you know you expect a, an elite player to to kind of bounce back from a rough stretch. It seemed like he got worse, and like you said, uh, after the Marvin the second Marvin Jones touchdown, he kind of threw a fit, uh, blew up on the sideline. That happened actually against the Seahawks too. Um, you know, he that was a mental error, which uh, is kind of unusual for him. But, uh, you know, he blew coverage 60 yard touchdown to David Moore blew up on the sideline and was benched because of it. So uh, really rough year for him. And the reasoning behind it, I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that um, he doesn't really know how to deal with the fact that his his athleticism profile is changing um, you know a lot of receivers or a lot of cornerbacks will have their athleticism profile change as they age but they kind of add tips and tricks or they 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 change their play style to kind of account for the fact that you know maybe they're not running as fast as they did or they're not as quick as they were uh, and and Rhodes is playing a very similar play style as to what worked for him but he's slower uh, and uh, and he's lost uh, you know what little quickness he had. Um, you know, coming out, you know, he always had issues with quickness. He was kind of a, a stiff cornerback, which kind of a, a theme for for the cornerbacks the Vikings had drafted over the past couple of years. Um, but he made up for it with explosiveness, with length, and so on. And if he doesn't have that explosiveness, if he doesn't have speed, if he doesn't have recovery capability, you know, he doesn't really um, have a ton going for him as a corner. And so he hasn't really changed his, his technical approach kind of as a result of that. Plus, you know, the Vikings have been kind of scared to death of the explosive play. Uh, and, and they've given up a lot of explosive plays, I think more than any other top defense this year. Um, and so they've played a lot of the coverages off and he's just not an off, uh, coverage corner last two weeks, they've put him back in press. So maybe that's kind of helped things, but, you know, for the most part, you know, he's been kind of put in positions. That's not great for him, but physically he's just kind of changed. He's lost a step and he hasn't figured out ways to make up for it
1: him mean, it's been crazy to watch. And again, just from a casual fan who obviously noticed how good he was uh, at his position over the last couple of years to kind of see him struggle. Um, I was just really curious as to, uh, you know, someone who's watched him closely, what your thoughts were on him as a player right now. But uh, kind of wrapping this thing up before we get into your general thoughts about how you think the game's going to go and a score prediction. Um, I want to ask you, even though the Chargers are five and eight, is there anything at all that worries you about facing this team? I know at one point you mentioned this being a trap game, potentially um, it definitely seems like the makings of one, but what's whether it's a position group, anything at all involving the Chargers that scares you the most heading into Sunday.
0: Definitely the defensive line. Um, the pass rush potential the Chargers have is really remarkable. Uh, the offensive line that the Vikings have like luckily at tackle, it's a little bit better than people think. Uh, Brandon Neal is having a pretty good season. Uh, I think technically he still is not allowed a sack. Uh, some of that's because of luck. Uh, penalty took one away. Uh, in another instance, someone else got a sack faster than his guy did, and uh, PFF assigned an, a sack to someone else. So there's like maybe three sacks he could have given up. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he's technically he's not allowed a sack. That's pretty nice. Uh, Riley Reef is playing like an average offensive tackle, which you know maybe that's not what his contract calls for, but uh, it's serviceable. Um, but the interior is, is really rough. And again, you know, when you've got an outside that's doing fine, that's not really enough against Ingram and Bosa. Uh, they'll get theirs. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if O'Neill finally gives up the first sack of his career. Um, but, you know, the interiors is, is having a lot of trouble too. Uh, Garrett Bradbury is coming off of uh, just a really remarkably bad game. He's had a really rough season, only a couple of good games. Pat Offline doesn't look like he's ready to play. And then ever since Josh Klein returned from injury, you know, it, it really looks like he hasn't been able to do a, a ton as well. And because the Vikings uh, run the ball a lot, you know, how that offensive line performs is really important to the way that that offense functions. Uh, and also uh, if the Chargers, uh, you know, Bo and Ingram are smart, um especially bosa if if the chargers kind of pick up on play action uh and decide not to bite on the run and start rushing on the naked bootlegs that's gonna be tough green bay did the same thing and uh, and that absolutely shut cousins down so that's my primary concern that pass rush
1: it's a heck of a pass rush so it's kind of what i expected but uh Oh, it's it's good to hear that uh, people find something intimidating about the Chargers again, sitting at five and eight, (laughs) because a lot of teams probably don't even with all that star power um, on that depth chart. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Just any and all thoughts about how you think this game is going to go. If you want to do a quick summary, you can do that. I won't uh, mind. And then just a final score prediction for Sunday.
0: I think it'll be a low scoring game. I don't think the Vikings offense will actually get that much off the ground. I I think Casey Hayward's good. I think the return of Derwin James means a lot too. So there's a lot there defensively that uh, kind of worries me from the Vikings, even with Adam Thielen back. And, you know, we talked about how important he can be. Um, But I I just don't see the the Chargers offense producing. Um, The Vikings have done a lot better against, uh, you know, Austin Eckler type backs in recent years. So that's nice. Uh, I see kind of a maybe even a 17-13 game in favor of the Vikings, which means that they not only win, but cover. Um, but uh, a remarkably low scoring game, especially because it'll take a little bit as the Vikings kind of adjust to to the West Coast.
1: Okay, I uh, I feel somewhat similar. I don't think it's going to be a shootout by any means. Um, after playing such a clean game against the Jaguars, it does worry me that there's going to be uh, a bounce Back game for Phillip Rivers in the wrong direction and I you know this is an attacking Vikings defensive front that can play some really good games um, along the line of scrimmage and the quickest way to beat the Chargers is to make Phillip start to crumble and see ghosts maybe if they're not even there. And I can't help but uh, see Rivers possibly if they get the right stunt off, throwing an early interception, putting the Chargers down in a hole similar to his two games against the Broncos, the Chiefs and the Raiders and and stuff like that. And I hate to be a pessimist in this fashion. It's just I feel it in my bones that this is potentially uh, something that's going to end up happening. So I would say 24, 27 to about 17 Uh, in favor of the Vikings I think this is just such a a more of a must win game for the Vikings that there's going to be a much different energy they bring to the field than the Chargers so that about wraps it things up here Um, really appreciate you coming on man it was it was a fun conversation these are two really exciting teams fun to talk about teams as well again lots of star power uh, throughout both uh, depth charts but um, once again I appreciate it my man yeah thanks for having me Really hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Arif Hassan. Definitely go check out all of his work. He's a phenomenal follow on Twitter as well. Um, Guys, it's going to be an exciting game on Sunday. I'm super stoked for it. I cannot wait. Um, But as always, guys, follow, subscribe, like, five-star review. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Um, But as always, this has been Michael Peterson with the Powder Blue Review. And I hope to see you guys next week.